welcome to IdeaGen TV live from Miami. Today I'm thrilled to have with me David Lloyd from AWS. David, welcome. Thanks very much, George. Uh, I wanted to start by saying um, thanks for inviting me here. It's a privilege to talk with you. Uh, I'm a solutions architect lead at Amazon Web Services, and I've been um, at Amazon now for four years working with our healthcare customers to lead their digital transformation. Um, I have uh, about 20 years of experience uh, with all things data. And uh, when I started out my career, I was working at FICO, the credit scoring company. And we were working with um, neural network technologies uh, before they were cool. And uh, those, um, we were using it to detect fraud in near real time on millions of credit card transactions. And uh, you may have seen this on your own phone, alerts to unusual behavior. And uh, even 20 years later, that's still working and saving us a lot of money. Uh, I moved into healthcare after that to work with uh, Philips. And at Philips, uh, I was working on virtual care and population health. And we were collecting last, large volumes of data um, on patients to understand uh, whether they were, um, their health was deteriorating so we, we could intervene early and uh, make the necessary corrections. Um, since I've been at AWS, I've been focused on AI. And uh, for this last year, it's been quite a wild ride for all of us. Um, I've been working on generative AI and really trying to understand how we can add value for our patients and our clinicians. Generative AI. And AI in general, I, you know, the, the use of AI, cloud, machine learning, in your opinion, how, David, do you see the ultimate impact on the healthcare industry? Well, um, let's start with clinicians, right? Um, we've already started to see in terms of generative AI, we've started to see improvements in productivity. So. Um, as an example, uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our clinicians are um, burdened with administrative duties. They have to uh, take clinical notes. They have to enter a lot of data. Uh, and this is taking time away from patients where they need to be spending their time and they want to spend their time and work at the top of their license. Well, we've already seen um, generative AI have an impact there. We're seeing um, automated email to help the doctor we're seeing uh, transcribed uh, conversations, collecting all that information for the doctor and summaries being generated. Uh, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think that these are exciting times and we're seeing emerging products like health agents, which are generative AI agents that are going to help our clinicians to make faster informed decisions. So one of the things about the cloud is that we're collecting huge volumes of data, which is multimodal. So it's not just your structured data, but also your unstructured data, like doctor's notes. Um, you're, we're collecting imaging data, uh, genomic data, and device data. So all this data is coming in. And now that we have this sophisticated AI, what it's able to do is really behave like an assistant to the doctor. And instead of them having to log in to multiple places, they can just ask the, the AI 
and it will bring back information, detailed information about the patient in front of them. And so what this enables is for um, everything to be much more efficient and uh, hopefully much more accurate as well, because the AI will be able to actually um, aid with decision making and provide what the best practices could be and uh, maybe suggest some alternatives. So um, I think there's some exciting times ahead for, for healthcare. Well, it sounds like it. In, uh, in the conversations we've had today alone, uh, it, it's profound to think about where we are going and perhaps even more importantly, where we may go. And so I'd like to ask you about HIPAA. Uh, it's a U.S. Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And HIPAA, has, is, it protects patient privacy, patient privacy law. How will Amazon, will all these companies, will your work be impacted when you're trying to put all this data, in some cases anonymous, in some cases maybe it's not anonymous, you're trying to anonymize all this data. HIPAA is in the way of, of me and my personal data and you putting it out there for the greater good. So how does that all work? How do you, how do you work with HIPAA? Great question. Um, so at AWS, we have over 150 HIPAA eligible services already. Uh, so we've been working with health customers for many years. What, what, what does that mean? So HIPAA eligible, I was coming on to that. So okay. HIPAA eligible, yeah, it, it actually means that our customers can um, launch HIPAA compliant services with HIPAA compliant solutions with these services. So a HIPAA eligible service means that we're meeting the HIPAA requirements. Those okay. requirements are things like data encryption at rest, data encryption in transit, um, and uh, auditability. All of those things are built in, but um, you know, when it comes to AI, all our AI services also support that. Um, but it, it's a whole new ball game as well. And uh, so right from the beginning of working with AI, which we've been doing for a number of years, uh, we've taken a responsible approach, a safe and ethical approach to AI, uh, because we, we realize that it has great potential, but at the, same at the same time, you have to work within the regulatory uh, bounds and and eliminate any risk. I mean, the last thing we want is um, to lose the trust of physicians, right? That would, we want to advance, but we also want to do it in a, a responsible fashion. And uh, I'll give you a good example of how we're actually using um, uh, an AI solution and have been for two years in Florida um, with our Alexa solution. So Alexa is actually working in the hospital today in Florida. It's been in place for uh, a couple of uh, years and uh, the patients really love it. It's in their patient room. What you can do is uh, as a patient, you can adjust the lighting with Alexa. You can, um, you can change the temperature in the room. You can control the TV. And of course you can interact with the care team. And uh, it's actually been so successful that they've had to bolt down their Alexas because people were taking them home with them. <laughs> Um, which is another thing that's actually happening. Um, so uh, some of our customers are working with uh, experimenting in having Alexa back at home after you're discharged and uh, hooking the Alexa actually to a large language model, which can then have a conversation um, to understand how the recovery is going for those patients. That's just, so they're taking 
in some instances, it's so successful. Did I hear you right? That they're actually taking the Alexa device <laughs> home. Well, we had to had to stop that. They weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> well, that's the price of success. It sounds like it's so successful that that's what happens. Um, in terms of the developments relating to cloud and AI, specifically the selling of cloud technology, to other firms, how are you doing that when you're trying to create your own guardrails? Like, how does that even begin to manifest itself? How do, what, what, what barriers do you see there? Another great question. Uh, so, you know, by its very nature, um, think about the amount of horsepower you need to run this AI, right? So uh, these models have uh, hundreds of billions of parameters and they're generally only getting larger because there's a school of thought that the larger they are, the smarter they are. Um, and so what you need to do that is you need a huge amount of compute and a huge, a huge amount of storage. And the companies who can provide that are, are really the cloud vendors. Uh, so that's, that's what inextricably links cloud and AI is the fact that you're gonna need all that horsepower and we partner with um, companies like NVIDIA for our GPUs, uh, but we're also building our own chipsets like uh, Inferentia and Tritanium. And our goal with those is, and we've been doing this for a while, is price performance. We don't want this to be cost prohibitive, right? Um, and, and this is expensive equipment. So we want to drive, drive down the price and make it available for all. And we've uh, partnered with a lot of different model partners like Anthropic and AI21, Cohere, Stable Diffusion. These are our partners. And uh, by launching your large la language models in the cloud, it also means that you can integrate a lot of other services. Because when you're trying to solve your use case, whatever it is, you want a choice of models, but you also want to be able to integrate with services that allow you to launch the, server, the, the actual solution because you're gonna need a front end. It's not just a model, you need a front end, a back end, some storage and database. So you need an end-to-end -end solution um, to, to solve the, the problem. And you, you alluded to cloud and the reliance on cloud, the interoperability with cloud and AI and all that. How do you then take multiple cloud providers and open that up? I mean, what is the, what is the, the platform that you see for the future? And the integration. I think there's going to be um, there's going to be a choice. Uh, like I said, I think that uh, it all really comes down to the use case. What one of the amazing things about AI is that it's these huge models are general purpose. You can use them for so much, right? And uh, I actually believe, you know, there is this the scaling thought that you scale, it improves. It, it's likely to improve. We've seen that. Uh, but there's also some interesting developments lately where you um, you can train a model, for example, just on medical terminology, and you build just a medical LLM, right? And uh, and by doing that, it becomes more specialized, and and it's also a smaller model. It doesn't have, it hasn't been trained on the internet. It hasn't got grandma's apple pie recipe in there, right? It's it's very specific to healthcare. And so what I guess what I'm saying is it depends on your use case. Um, you're going to go to the model that suits you the best. And uh, 
and it depends where that model runs, right? So you really are looking for flexibility uh, of, of who you can choose in terms of the model, in terms of the where, where it runs, which kind of cloud provider, and cost, of course. Um, cost is a big factor. Uh, you it, these, these can be expensive, so you have to understand your cost, and you also have to understand your accuracy. You uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's got to be, be able to deliver the right accuracy. And so, let's talk a little bit about hallucination. You know, not not us, <laughs> but hallucinations within AI—it's a thing. Maybe you could talk yeah. a little bit about that and the concern around that. Yeah. You know, or or not? Is it a concern? Absolutely. Um, so it's a concern that I believe can be managed. So. Uh, when you think about it, we're working in healthcare, right? So we're dealing with people's lives. And so we can't afford to make errors. Uh, now, these, um, these models are incredibly powerful uh, and they do amazing things, but at times they make mistakes. Now, uh, so they're improving all the time, but it's not like the mistakes have completely been eliminated. And in fact, in some ways, they're there by design. So... Uh, one of the, you have different controls that you can put into a model, which can actually make it more creative. And that's actually one of the, the real benefits of large language models. They're generative and you can get them to create more by turning some knobs. However, in healthcare, depending on the use case, you want to make sure a lot of times that it's delivering the right answer every time. And uh, we, have, we have ways of doing that. So we're introducing Guardrails are pretty popular now with large language models. They check um, what kind of questions are coming in. Uh, it's like a filter, only allowing them that are with, within scope. And then responses also only being allowed within scope. So you get these filtering guardrails. Um, another big important um, approach that's taken in healthcare is human in the loop or clinician in the loop. So uh, when a lot of these early solutions that have been launched, there's a, a clinician that is reviewing the answer. They're able to edit it and uh, make sure that it looks good before it's submitted. And interestingly, when they do that, um, after they've corrected that error, they can feed it back in so that the, the um, model can learn for the next time. So hallucination is good. Hallucination can be controlled and needs to be in healthcare. Thank you. That, that, that helps. Our global audience, the millions of folks that are watching this, understand the reference to hallucination because it's it's a thing, and it's out there. Yeah. And you're saying it can be managed and controlled in most instances, but there yeah. needs to be those guardrails. Oh, it does, and uh, we do absolutely need to control it. And like I said earlier, if we don't, and there are errors, then we lose the trust of the right. clinicians, which is where we don't want to go. Right. Right. So. AI is an effective tool for healthcare. I think we, we you know, potentially, and it's, it's happening already. And the industry as a whole. In your eyes, does the implementation, I think I know the answer, does the implementation help the end user, the patients? Yeah, absolutely. Now, it goes back to your earlier questions, right? Um, we're working in a regulatory environment, so we have to put the patient first, the patient safety first, right? And uh, there, there's so much opportunity to improve the patient experience, absolutely. 
but what we're really doing is uh, launching it incrementally, right? So um, to be responsible. And, and we're starting with, in terms of patient facing, what I see with my customers is that they, they start with um, sort of dipping their toe in the water. And there are some, uh, some simple approaches with patient education. So for example, um, you know, like insurance benefits, <laughs> they're not simple. If you can ask an AI and get your question back, then that, that's kind of nice, right? So complex data sets, another one might be a procedure that you're going to have. You can just ask a, a chatbot and you'll come back with an answer. So those types of things are, are, are efficient and simple. Uh, there are also, um, you know, at, at AWS, uh, we'll, we look to invent and simplify. And so our vision for healthcare is really... Um, if we can get to the point where the clinicians have more time, it, it's also going to impact our patients. And we'll get to the point, hopefully, where you can just have a same-day uh, appointment with your doctor online and then have your medication delivered to you within a few hours via Amazon. And, it, you know, maybe it can't all be done virtually, but the majority of the time it could be. And then, for the exception, you go into the office. Uh, also, um, we an interesting area that's going to impact patients, I believe, is um, with drug discovery. So AI is playing a large role in drug discovery. Uh, we are working with nine of the, the top ten pharmaceuticals, and I expect some some major breakthroughs to happen in the near future, uh, which will benefit all of us. So um, drug discovery is uh, a big area for patients. Um, and I've got a lot of use cases, but one of my favorites is actually uh, we have a customer that was inspired by the Amazon.com reviews where we launched a generative AI um, offering where you can go to a product and there's thousands of reviews. Well, the Gen AI will just summarize it briefly and tell you all the key points from all these reviews, which is kind of what you do when you go on because you start reading them all. Well, it does that for you. So one of our customers was looking at that and going, well, what about the patient experience? Why can't I take my journey map, which is when I um, book my appointment, when I then go to, uh, go to maybe a specialist and then into the hospital and then I'm discharged. There's all this data um, from the interactions, from phone calls, notes, surveys. Pull that all together and say, this was their experience. This was good. This wasn't great. Um, and do that for all the patients. And now you're getting to the point where you're like, okay, I can actually affect change for my patients and, and give them a positive experience. It's profound what you're talking about. Game changing. And, uh, absolutely. And just one more comment on that as well. Um, so one of the areas that we are investing um, because we, are, we believe it's our responsibility is health equity. So I mentioned that these models are large and they can be expensive and it's, we feel it's our duty um, to make sure that these types of technologies are, are made available not just to a privileged few, but they're actually made available to underprivileged. Um, if you're in a remote location, if you're in another country that's a developing country, um, if you're disabled, all of these, um, all, all of these people uh, deserve um, access to these types of, of technologies. And that's another reason why I think that 
although we will scale high, I think some of these, these um, lower scale uh, cost effective solutions um, might, might also take off as well. You know, David, it's uh, I applaud you and Amazon for all you're doing uh, to help lead the way in, a, in an ethical way and, and by doing the right thing. And that's what you're just describing. Yeah, I've heard you say multiple times, ethics, yeah. doing the right thing, yeah. patient responsibility, Absolutely. doctor responsibility, your responsibility, building out this technology. And it seems like that's at the fore. Before everything else, you're dedicated to that patient safety. Absolutely. Um, and we don't want that to hold back innovation. Right. right. So you've got to strike the right balance right. for doing that. Um, you know, we want... We want to innovate. Um, we always innovate, and uh, we want to make it make sure that it's done in a practical and scalable way. Well, scalable, and and so it leads me to my final question, which is all about the Health Scribe tool. It's yeah, something you're so proud of, right? We're we're very proud of Health Scribe. It's you know it's one of the first uh, generative AI uh, solutions that that's used by doctors in production, and uh, it's you know on the face of it, it's pretty straightforward. What it's doing is uh, is transcribing the, the patient-clinician conversation. So uh, it transcribes every single word of it, assigns the, the, the words to the right person, and then what it, it will take all of that information, summarize it into a doctor's note in the right structure. And that, that's where um, we're helping, you know, the clinician would usually have to do that. Um, so we're saving them time. And, We've actually built in something that avoids hallucinations. So the way it does it is every single part of the, the summary note that's, that's delivered can be tracked back to something that was said. So we show the linkage. So it can't make up anything. So we take care of the hallucination. And we've also added in the capability to pull out medical terminology and actually deliver the right billing codes. So the ICD-10s and the, the SNOED and RX norm. So those get generated as well so that you can make sure you get billed for this conversation. So uh, that's been really successful. And I think it's, uh, I said it's like dipping the toe in the water. I think there's a lot more coming with generative AI. Uh, you know, we're, we're all going to end up with our own health agents that are working for us. They probably understand all our vitals in real time and they're making us recommendations. Um, because at the end of the day, we want to um, make sure that, uh, we, we, we're being more proactive with our health, as we all know, right? And preventing things before they, before they occur. Uh, moving from healthcare to health, right? Exactly. That's, that's right. what this is. Thank you so very much for yeah. all you're doing Thanks to change the world. Thank you. Thank you.